I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. And I'm April, sex toy maven, VP of Hot Octopus, and I've dedicated my life to the business of sex. We're two people with a passion for educating and inspiring shame-free conversations about sex and relationships. Welcome Welcome to to the the Shameless Sex Revolution. Revolution. Want to learn more? Go to ShamelessSex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, Use coupon code SHAMELESSSEX at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Shameless Sex Podcast, your favorite podcast in the whole wide world. Especially when we talk like that. Um, I want to get it every better. I'm like, I'm Marina Del Rey. No, you just. That was a Saturday Day Night Live skit back in. Um, was that in the mid 2000s? Like or mocking Los Angeles people or something? It was mo- well, I think it was supposed to be after that uh, show, um, oh, Orange uh, County. Oh, my God. The uh, Laguna Beach. No, Orange County. That it was. It was a. Sh- was oh. it called Orange County? Is it one of the young high school kids? Yes, but not the reality one. It was the soap opera oh. one that was similar to Melrose Place. Nano two one It was after that. I love Melrose Place. That's like. Oh my Melrose Place. I mean, okay, we're not going to talk about this very much because we don't like talk. We're trying to make the intro quick, but Melrose Place is what actually showed me that that I think I have rape fantasies. I was ten, saw a rape scene, got turned on no idea i was like what is this and if anyone's listening they're like is that normal go find some episodes on our show where we actually talk about um how fantasy oh allison ash talks about fantasies and, and so i'm not going to go there but if you go look that up and you're like this doesn't make sense to me we have a whole episode on that this one though is with keely rankin her third time i think it was this is her third time yeah and she's amazing. She actually is someone I, I send a lot of clients to. A lot of people were like, I need help. And her, she has like a massive wait list. And she's mentoring people. I think she said she actually isn't able to. Yeah. She just had a, a baby, though. Yeah. And so I think right now her her time is is she's working. And I think she's just very backed up with all of the waiting. And she's taken on people, as yeah. she mentioned, that can actually help. Yeah, so. so that's why she actually... So this podcast is about how to find the right therapist, sex therapist, coach. Also, why you might want to do that. How to work through the blocks. Um, how to... Maybe you're in a partnership with someone who isn't willing to do the work. Um, you know, there's, there's so much valuable information in here. And if you're like, ah, oh, that doesn't sound that sexy or spicy. Honestly, pretty much most of the sex questions that we receive and answer, our response is go find someone to help you. And most people we live in this, especially in the United States, we don't live in like a preventative medicine or mental state culture. We wait, we wait for shit to hit the fan. And uh, so there's we talk about that in here, too. We talk about red flags. Oh, yeah. It's when you all... maybe need to leave your coach or therapist yeah. or when the relationship doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Or when maybe you've had uh, not your all of, all of your problems are going to be fixed. Call five, 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 yeah. one, two, one, two. That would be awesome. I would call that number often if all of my problems could be fixed. Uh, if only it worked that way, but it, it doesn't, doesn't. So we know. have to do the work. And in this also is for folks who are not in relationships. You can be a single person. You can be in a relationship. So there's so many wonderful things here. Um, and therapy is for people who, who want to work 
on things that don't have anything to do with sex and relationships too. So and even if you are thinking right now, and I've talked about this with you before, Amy, when some I've, I've talked to friends about therapy and, and they've been in relationships and not saying they had issues in their relationship, but they were saying, well, nothing's broken. So yeah. why do I want to try to fix something that yeah. isn't broken and it's prevent it can be preventative as well well when the thing okay when when shit hits the fan and you're in broken state oh my god you're gonna spend so much more time and money working on it and if but if you do the work when it's like just like okay and we're like kind of getting a little off you're disconnected or whatever the work is so much easier you will spend less time you'll spend less money but that's just not what we do well, so therapists will give you or coaches will give you the tools yeah. if shit does start hitting the fan which yeah. is why i like to see someone that yeah is is gifted exactly and yeah so now when yeah exactly so you can wh- wherever you are this is very helpful useful information and also april and i are huge fans of therapy we have we do our own work in these realms and um I think yeah. everybody fantastic the, in this world needs a therapist does everybody say to that she's like yes. everyone i'm sure therapy. beyonce has one i'm sure <laughs> oh yeah i'm sure her and jay-z have one together do you think donald trump has a therapist mm, i have no comment okay all right anyway sex question time <laughs> I recently did some pelvic floor therapy as part of working on some of my sexual trauma. So I know a bit about the pelvic floor muscles and how they work. But sometimes when I orgasm, I have the urge to bear down or push out my pelvic floor muscles. And sometimes I feel like I'm going to pee myself. And ha ha. <laughs> there has been fluid that has come out, but I'm not sure if it's female ejaculate fluid or pee. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to bear down or push out like my body is wanting to or if I should hold back. Please help. Can I say something to this that we didn't note in this? When we interviewed Kenneth Play about oh, yeah. skirting and female ejaculation, he actually was speaking to bearing down when you are receiving penetrative uh play and hence the name comes it's uh, yeah episode 249 how to squirt gush and have juicy orgasms with and he play. spoke to that and i it had i've actually applied some of this knowledge during an experience a sexual session and it actually works yeah. the bearing down which i never did before because in my brain i felt like i wanted to hold the pee or hold back so i would clench which is but then you wouldn't eject it right sometimes after the relaxation would would step in but the bearing down is actually i feel like a a bridge or a gateway to helping the female ejaculation process and the actual emotional uh release as well because it's a whole body experience so i wanted to speak to that because i didn't read the question uh before you read it to all of us so that was my her throw her for a loop yeah that yeah and we also another episode you can listen to um about that that part the female ejaculation part um or squirting we also like to refer to it more as gushing because it's not usually like this projectile across the room but if you have really strong pc muscles you can spell your name on the wall that'd be amazing i wish i could do that um episode number uh, 80 with Stella Harris also talks about this and yeah I remember when I first uh, um, learned about female ejaculation and, I, and I'd actually already done it my very first orgasm I ejaculated my mom's an ejaculator her mom was an ejaculator it's just like yeah so anyways um uh, when I first learned about it, though, even in my sex trainings and in the, in the um, spissy training that I did uh, when I went to San Francisco State, and we learned about it. And, and when I minored in human sexuality, no one talked about bearing down. And that is actually a thing. So, um, yeah, like what I'm hearing here is 
what's likely happening is some form of female ejaculation, some, some form of an ejaculatory fluid. And we're not going to take a lot of time to talk specifically about that because we have those episodes that talks about that. Is it pee? Is it not pee? You know, all of those things. Go listen to what Stella Harris says. Go listen to what Kenneth Play says. But if you feel like you're having some sort of pleasurable release it may be combined with orgasm or it's just this pleasurable release and fluids coming out and maybe it's you are bearing down or not. That's usually what female ejaculation is. Um, so I would say keep up the good work. And the last part of sure, should I hold back? No, no, no. Keep, yeah, keep up the good work. And if you're worried about making a mess or any of that stuff, lay down a towel. Fascinator. Get, yeah, get a fascinator. I was going to suggest that because that's why I would hold back before. You know, the mess. I didn't want to deal with the cleanup. Yeah. So, fa- yeah, fascinator. You can go get them at purepleasureshop.com. Um, and it, I think you can put like, massive cups of water on it. And this, this nice blanket holds that and doesn't get on your sheets. And if you use coupon code SHAMELESSSEX, you get 15% off. And, um, oh, and the last reference, if people are wondering about pelvic floor therapy, is um, episode number 31 with the lovely Dr. Sarah Tanza, uh, if you want to learn more about that type of work. She doesn't just do that work for sexual trauma. But, yeah, go listen to that episode if you're curious about that topic. All right, you ready for a bio? Yeah. And thank you, listener, for that question. Yeah. Keely received her master's degree in counseling psychology. She's trained in Hakomi therapy and recreation of the self. She specializes in facilitating deep erotic connections for couples and has been featured in media outlets such as the Huffington Post and Oprah Magazine as an expert in male sexual struggles, where she created a premature ejaculation mastery video course for men to learn to last longer in bed from the privacy of their own homes. To learn more, visit Keely Rankin. That's K-E-E-L-E-Y Rankin.com. And now it's interview time. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Shameless Sex Podcast. Wait, you already had an intro, so this is the wrong intro. Hey, everyone, it's interviewed time oh yeah not supposed to look at april we just figured out that i i love when you're beautiful but i'm trying to focus on the camera because listeners guess what we film our podcast now and not all of them most of them and we put them on youtube and we have a really wonderful human named dale i can say his name on here because that's cool who edits our work and is it chip and dale you're Chip, he's Dale, and I'm Dip. And, uh, and he uh, helps, he creates all these little clips that we put in social media. So if you're not following us on uh, TikTok or on Instagram, you can go and see little clips with little tips. And also, it's just more fun that way. So you know you want to see us in our weird Chip and Dipness. And guess who else is here? Who's here, Chip? Her name is Keely. Motherfucking Rankin. Keely Rankin, sorry. <laughs> in hot from the Northwest. Whee! Just kidding. It's actually California, North yeah. Coast. Bay Area. So Keely Rankin, is your is your third time, right? On our show? Yeah. Number yeah. Three. Third time. Third time on our show. And we absolutely adore Keely. I, I've actually so many of the sex questions that I've received, uh, I have said, 
Contact Keely uh, because you do so much wonderful work with people. You, you have online programs. You work personally with people. And we will get into all that because the topic of this show is something along the lines of how to find the right therapist or coach. Also, why you might want to do that. Um, a lot of the reasons why people might be fearful or feel stuck or or might just seem unobtainable for them. And it's not the easiest thing. So it's not like, oh, I'm going to get a therapist and you go find the right one tomorrow. And we know this. Um, and Keely, you have a lot of experience of training. I'm sure you've been to plenty of therapists because, well, you know, most of the people that are on our show have done some sort of work in that realm. You work with a lot of people. You're mentoring people now. So um, we have all kinds of wonderful questions to ask you all around this. But first, Keely, you've done this on our show many times, but we are going to ask you to do it again. Can you please tell our listeners how you got to where you are today in the field of sexuality? Yes, I would love to. And I'm so excited and delighted to be back here with you, beautiful women. And it's great that we're filming and people can now watch on YouTube. It's really very exciting. Um, so I'm not the only one that just gets to see your beautiful faces. Everyone else gets <laughs> to see you too. So it's very exciting. Um, and Wow, that intro was fantastic also, too. Never had an intro quite like that, so thanks. Um, yes, so I am a sex and relationship coach based out of San Francisco. And how I got into this, I can't even remember what I've said before, so I'll just go with what feels fresh. I've always been interested in sexuality, relationships, and I can remember from a really early age being so perplexed by people's marriages ending and that it often seemed to be around this intimacy piece. And very early on, it was easy for me to talk about sex and fun for me to talk about sex. And I went in a different direction for a little while. I rode horses professionally for a bit and then decided I wanted to do something else. And honestly, books about sex were the only thing I was interested in. So fast forward a couple years later, got my master's degree, started a private practice, and now have been working with individuals and couples for the last I think I'm going on 12 years, something like that. So here I am. <laughs> here you are. Yeah. And, uh, I, and I have not personally been a client of yours, but I've spoken to many of the folks that have worked with you and, and I'm not just trying to toot your horn, but a lot of therapists and coaches are changing people's lives. But, and I'm very confident that you are because, well, I've heard firsthand from a lot of people that you're, you're doing really wonderful work. So thank you so much for what you do. Oh, that's so wonderful to hear. Yeah, that's everything, really. I mean, mm -hmm. in this field, getting feedback from individual people saying that their lives feel more fulfilled, more pleasurable, they feel more joy, they have more access to their presence. I mean, that's just everything. So thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. It's good. It feels good. So, okay, so Keely, we receive a ton of questions from listeners who feel stuck or lost in sex and relationships. It doesn't matter if they're in a relationship, they're single, if they have just left a relationship, if they're partnered or they long term, it doesn't matter, right? Because, uh, which is me, Amy, all, all of our friends, anyone that I know, Pretty it's always complicated. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, we are constantly reminding folks that are asking us questions as listeners and our listeners in general and our friends to seek support from professionals. And we're not talking about psychiatrists, but there's therapists, there's coaches, there's an immense amount of tools, all sorts of different avenues that people can travel down. So if and when this happens and they feel compelled to seek support. So it can be hard. The question here is, what do you think are the barriers that are getting in the way of folks out there seeking 
and I don't want to say professional help, but seeking support. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I actually love the term professional help because I think we rely on our friends for way too much support in this area and your friends are biased. Um, and they have April's own- bias. Is, are you saying she's a bias? <laughs> I thought what? I'm just kidding. And you know, there's something really, really special about the therapeutic container, and it's unique and completely different than any other relationship that that you'll ever have. Really, it's meant to be to be able to support you in your own ability to self-reflect and to go deeper and be a better version of yourself. I mean, the idea of coaching or therapy or any sort of self-improvement is that you are able to feel into the places where you're stuck, whether you're either unconsciously stuck or consciously stuck, where you have defenses that make you difficult to relate with or hard around the edges, or, you know, maybe it's that you actually need to get more boundaries. So it's like the opposite of, of hard. Um, and, you know, therapy is this container that's meant to really help you explore how to do relationship and how to be a better version of yourself. And so, I mean, I am ecstatic that we're talking about this topic, like how to find the right sex practitioner. Like I really genuinely, I've been thinking about it for the last couple of months with, you know, taking on new mentees and training people to be sex coaches. It's just made me reflect like, what is, what is a good practitioner and why, I mean, I genuinely believe every single human on this planet could go and see some version of a sex practitioner, even if it's just for five sessions. Because I think oftentimes people feel a lot of shame, like, oh, I need help and I need to go see a professional. So that must mean something's wrong with me. But I think sex coaching, sex therapy is a little bit different. It's a lot more about, I just want more. I want to be able to feel more. I want to be able to experience more pleasure. I want sex to be fun. It's supposed to be playful. It's supposed to be adult play, but a lot of people don't feel that way. They feel pressure and they feel insecure. And, you know, I think as people start to talk more and more about sex and make it more normal to be talking about this topic, I think a lot of folks are wanting more from their erotic lives. And so if you're out there and you're listening and you're sort of thinking like, oh, do I really need help or, or, you know, I, I just think there's no harm in doing a couple sessions with somebody. And I think that's also one of the big things we want to talk about here is like, how do you find the right person? Because it's really difficult. <laughs> yeah. I have a, a couple other pieces with what you're saying there too. And the other thing I think people, my one fear might be, you know, if I start working with someone and it doesn't go well, what do I do? You can fire your therapist, everyone. You don't, I mean, you don't have to be with them for the rest of your life. So, the, and you can, and we'll get there and experiment around. And I know you have plenty to say about that. But I also I wanted do. to mention just like a couple pieces. pieces. Um, it's also going to be a question for you. It's a long one. Financial status is often yep. an issue. Access and location, although most therapists and coaches can work online. Um, and I know like just the fear of opening up and sharing yourself to someone there. Cause we talked about like the shame of like, Oh, you know, something's wrong or broken. And then people tell me that that's, I, I, I must be a, a bad person if I go to therapy, so I can't do that. But so for the finances, access, fear of opening up and sharing with someone, especially if you've never done that before. And also 
past bad experiences with therapists. That's a good one. That's hap- that happens yeah. often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, so what, it does. So that's a lot. What are you going to do and with And then that? people <laughs> say all therapists are like this. None of them will understand yeah. me. That, I've been in the that past. Happens. Yeah, I've yeah. had it with past partners that saw a therapist with me, and they're like, well, yeah. I'm smarter than them, so yeah. I'm not going to go to another one. And yeah, like, or, or, yeah or they were terrible, or they didn't, you know, they, they sided with my partner, or they, they shamed me, and that can happen. Right. Or also, I don't happen. have enough money to do this. That's a big part. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, first off, great questions. There's so many of them that you just have. So yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. No, no, no. I, I, we, I think it gives the listeners a good idea of like where we're heading in this is like how to cover all of those things, because it's a much bigger question than I think a lot of people give attention to. I think finding a therapist is sort of like dating, you know, you could go out and just like date the first person that comes across your Tinder profile but most people aren't going to do that. But people don't think about finding a therapist that way. They're like, oh, I just went there. I like that person's look. I scheduled a call and I just went with them. And, you know, it's interesting. I have a, a, a client from Argentina and he tells me, he's like, oh, everyone in Argentina has a, has a therapist. Everyone does. Like, it's just like a thing that people do. And so like, how did, how do people there find a therapist or, you know, a sexual healer? Like they just ask their friends because everyone there sort of has one. And so I guess that's sort of my first piece of advice is like, if you decide like, okay, I want my sex life to be better. And I'm, I want to try and do this through professional help, which I think everyone ought to give that a try. You know, I think asking your friends, if you know that someone might be open to that or has seen a person is a, is a really good start, but, but also keeping an open mind that even though someone's really perfect for your bestie, doesn't mean that they're going to be a great fit for you. So you still really want to check this person out. And, and I want to get into like, what do you, what kind of questions do you ask? And like, what should you expect in the first couple of sessions? Cause I think that's really important too. So let's just say you don't have any friends that have ever explored this, or you don't feel comfortable talking to them. You know, the place most people go is online. They Google sex therapist, sex coach, sexual healer. And I think the thing that most people don't do is read the whole website. Mm-hmm. Like you want to go and look through this person's information, like read, what are they saying? What are they talking about? Does it resonate with you? Does it make sense to you? Do you feel called by what they're saying? Definitely look into their education too. I'll go into, I want to get into actually red flags. So remind me if I don't get there, but like, Oh, we have, we have it in here. So we got, yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, yeah because there. I think there's, there's red flags that you want to look for that you can spot on people's websites. Um, mm-hmm. it's especially around like education stuff, like, you know, check out where people got their master's degrees from, check out the trainings that they've had, you know, look up some of the training sites, like just see, you know, like you, one of the things you really want to avoid is like anyone that just has like one training. Like if someone's only done like one thing and that's all they have under them, they're most likely not going to have the set of tools and skills to really help you. Cause sex is a huge, I mean, it spans every aspect of our lives. It is huge in terms of the places that it touches And I believe to really be a good sexual healer, you have to have a huge bag of tricks to be able to help people because everyone is so different. I'm going to speak to something too with that because a lot of trained MD, when they have medical degrees that are, they have zero sexual training. And I think that's really fucking important to mention in this because we have had other doctors that have mentioned this, that you get zero, Nan has mentioned zero 
There's zero sexual training. I think a lot of people feel like they don't really know what they're looking at when they're online. Like, what am I supposed to be looking for? And so hopefully in all the things we're going to talk about here today, we're going to be able to flesh out like some of those pieces. Like, what should you really be looking for? And like, what is the information that you need? I think another really interesting thing to look at is people's reviews, like to go and look at their Google reviews or their Yelp reviews. And the truth is there's most likely not going to be a ton of reviews because a lot of folks do not want to leave a personal review from their personal Google account on a sex coach's website. Like it's, it's, it can feel very, um, revealing and they just don't want people to know that they've done that. So there may not be a ton of reviews. You don't necessarily need to go off of that, but you want to see at least like a review that feels is solid. Like this person's been in practice, like they have people. And I also want to speak to like, if someone has a bad review, because um, we are dealing in the mental health field and sometimes you, you're not always the right fit for a, for a client. And so if you're not the right fit and depending on that person's, you know, how stable they are, sometimes there can be a bad review that isn't necessarily representative of that practitioner. Mm-hmm. So if there is a bad review, but you still want to contact that, that practitioner, I think you can ask them about that. Hey, I saw this review on your Yelp. I'm just curious if you could, without confidentiality breaching, just speak to what that's about. And a really good practitioner, someone who's educated and trained, will easily be able to speak to that in a non-defensive way. And what you're looking for there is like, can they address where there was a mismatch? Can they speak to what was actually going on there? And if they get really defensive, like, well, that person was just crazy or, you know, that's sort of a a red flag, actually. Major red flag. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, you know, you can ask really, I think one of the things I really want people to know is like, you can ask any question that you want to these people, you know, like about themselves, about their work, about what you've read, about what, you know, what, what's out there. And, you know, understanding like, can you trust them? Are they safe? Do they feel like an adult is in the room and they're able to eloquently, you know, share with you what's been going on, what they see. It's, it's a really important thing to be looking for in a practitioner. I, I even, so I currently in this day and in age, I'm not taking on any new clients and I, but in a, I've done sex and relationship coaching working before, and this is not a plug for me, but I, last year, I think I had a client who wanted to work with me and it was about, um, about their marriage and raising children. And they knew I did not have children. And so for that person, even though they liked my energy or they had heard good things about me elsewhere, they were a little on the fence about that. And so they they actually asked me, you might not be able to do this, but if you have any clients that would be able to speak to me or email me and share their experience, ones that have children and share their experience of what it was like working with you, I would love that. And, and, and I was like, I mean, I, and I had those clients and and I'm like, I don't know if they're going to, but I had a client that actually did it. You know, they, they were like, Oh, gladly. Yeah. I, you know, I love, I, and they yeah. did. And they, and they shared that with them. And, and, and I'm not saying that every single therapist or coach will do that by the way. And not every single person they reach out to will do. Cause so, you know, the confidentiality piece, what I wanted to bring this to at this moment, and we'll get at this. We have so many questions. Are you speaking right now? You're, Cause you're saying you can ask them anything. You're talking about like the consultation before you work with them. Right. And this is like phone calls or emails or are you talking about first session? You know, I think it depends because some practitioners are doing consult calls, like discovery calls, sometimes what they call them, it's like the trending word, um, or, or in a first session. You know, I have stopped doing consult calls. I don't 
find them all that helpful. And I just ask people to repeat them in the first session anyway, because I'm a visual person and I want to have time to explore versus a quick call with someone. So I sometimes might do it just for people to be able to hear my voice. But honestly, in consult calls, it's like, it's just like one ear out the other. And I'm like, I do them. I used to do them so frequently that it was like, I didn't even take them seriously. I think in the first couple of sessions, you can ask those sorts of things. So if, if that Mm -hmm. practitioner is doing consult calls and you have those real questions, which I, I have two really important questions. I think we you should ask in at least by a first session at any point though, if you find out something about that therapist, if something shows up on social media and you're curious about it, right? You can, you can always ask anything. That's the point of being in a professional's office is they're actually there to support your growth and to support your curiosity. And let's just say you ask it in a really terrible way. Like you ask it in an aggressive, you ask the question in an aggressive way. Did I just the, see you at the bar the other day? Right. Wasted. <laughs> Wasted. Yeah. <laughs> Drinking Jaeger shots. <laughs> right. So it's, it's, if let's just say the client asks in a really, you, you are the client and you ask in a way and it doesn't feel good. Like the, the role of the therapist is to help, you figure out how to ask difficult questions in a way where communication can happen. So everything is important, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's like everything you're bringing is important and all of your questions that you have are important. And whatever you need to feel safe with this person or to determine if safety is is going to be possible, you should ask that. You need to ask that, actually. It's important. I think I believe it's a really important part of, of self-growth to do mm-hmm. to stretch yourself in those questions. That's a great way to segue into this next question, which Amy was sort of speaking to when she was talking about clients approaching her and they had children and they weren't sure if she was the right supporter for what they were looking for to help them in their situation. So when it comes to finding the right support, what do you do? Where do you look? Do you look for someone that has children that doesn't that, uh, how do you know? And are there questions that you should ask to see if they're the right fit and feel for you and your needs at the very least to find someone you'd email them and they'd email you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's, then you set up the session or, and then you're saying, you already said, you know, scour the word, scour their website, look up the reviews. And read some their will blog do the post. Con- yeah, read the blog. Yeah, Check and then, their and then some, education. Yeah, and some people will do the consult call too. But if that, if not. See yeah. if they checked in at uh, any of the same bars you've attended to go to on Facebook. <laughs> can you like, so social security number so I can Google you and into see all the things? I go to. Yeah. I was just fucking about, by the way. Just, you can do that or not. I've never yeah. seen my therapist at a bar, but if I did, I'd be like, what's up? But what, so wait, I'm here and you're saying guideline <laughs> questions to ask, to figure out if they're a good fit in the first place, I guess. Right, is, right. That what, is that what you're asking? Yes. Let's hold the piece of like, if you have a child and you are going to see a therapist, do they need to have a child for just a moment? And if we go into like, what are the questions? Questions I believe people need to ask to determine if this person is the right healer for them. And I, I believe there's two questions, really super, super, super important questions. And the first one is how do you believe people heal? Mm. This makes so, me so excited. I'm like, uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's just, right? yeah. Because that's going to tell you a lot about this person's perspective of growth. And what I would consider a bad answer would be like, we just talk about it and you'll get growth (laughs) from just talking about it. Now, if it's just shame that you're struggling with, like you just feel a lot of shame, sometimes talking about it can be really helpful. But in general, you want to, you want to look for someone who seems like they've thought about that question, that they have like a, 
a reflective response and they can hold it in its nuances. Like it's okay if their answer is complex because healing is very complex. (laughs) So it's like, but you really want to look for somebody that's taking that question seriously and chewing it over and sharing with you things about how they believe that people heal that resonate with you. And no one's actually ever asked me that question. But when I think about, I, I do ask therapists that when I'm interviewing them. And I'll say like, it has taken me up to six months to find a therapist before because it, it I believe it does take time. Just like we were talking about with like the dating, like it just takes time to put it in realistic perspective. But like, you know, I believe that healing happens by processing old past stuck patterns. So it's like you have a defense system that's created oftentimes from childhood, from unmet needs or, um, you know, uh, certain parenting structures. And it's just like, you know, we, it's how do you discover the subconscious unconscious material that's kind of going on inside of yourself and give that room and space and then do something different with it. So, you know, the term, the type of training that I'm in is more like around, it's called somatic work. So it's going into the body, it's noticing, it's being with the experience, it's allowing yourself to feel more fully. Gestalt therapy is also really great for this. It's any sort of like learning and trying on new skills. So it's like both processing these past wounds, having mindfulness and finding out the places that are blocked, and then allowing the body to actually process those places that didn't get processed before. Mm. So- Mm -hmm. I just wanted to mention that because I think if if you just say to a general person, like, how do people heal that don't have any therapy training and they hear that from a therapist, they might not necessarily know, like, what's a good response, what's a bad response. So I just kind of wanted to give, like, yeah, super helpful. Brief but you said sweeping. there were two important questions, too. Yeah. So the first yes, one so, was how do people heal? Yes. Okay. So what's the second? So I think the second one, which is also equally as important, is tell me about a time where you had a client that wasn't the right fit for you and how you navigated oh. that. Oh my God. Mind blown. I love you so much. (laughs) Wait, can you say it one more time? Tell me about a time where you had a client that wasn't the right fit for you and how you navigated that. (gasps) This is so cool. What do you mean? What do you mean? A therapist that wasn't a right fit for you? No, the client client asking the therapist this question. So the client is asking, oh, so they're asking, oh, oh shit. I was writing the quotes, everyone. That's why I was looking down on YouTube. But that is mind blowing because I was thinking from a practitioner's point of view, that's really genius. That's fucking genius, Keely. This is why I love you too. (laughs) So, because the truth is every practitioner has a client that has come through their practice that wasn't the right fit. And, you know, it, it speaks to that, that practitioner knowing their own limits, be able to set boundaries and really knowing how to navigate within the tools that they have, you know? So it's like, sometimes I think practitioners, once they start healing people can begin to feel almost like guru godlike. And this really speaks, yeah, right. Like I can heal everyone. Oh, and fuck that. Yeah, yeah. That no, is a no, giant no. That's red not, flag. That is, yeah, that is not my teacher. That's not my therapist. Nope. Right, right. So it's like, how do we step away from this like idea that one person can fix everybody? How can we step away from the, this one size fits all model and really like learn, learn about your, your practitioner, like ask them that question. I think it's super, super, super important. And again, that could be on the discovery, you know, consult call or in your first session. I think it's a great one. 
I'd be so curious what you've heard a therapist who's never been asked these questions and or, or like a new therapist or like they've been a therapist for 20 years and no one has ever asked these questions and someone asked them they're like oh my god <laughs> okay you know and you, so you, you have a couple options you have an option to be very real and to be honest and transparent mm -hmm. or maybe you actually don't even know the answer to it because you haven't allowed yourself to feel it because hey everyone guess what not all therapists are like, I mean, no one is perfectly fully pure and healed. A lot of therapists get into this field. The from wounded my, healer. Or I'm, yeah. Absolutely. We're, we're wounded healers over here. I'm, I'm assuming you are in your own way. I'm just of not course. a therapist or of a course. coach. So yeah. I don't claim to be anything other than a human being. Just yeah. being totally been doing but that the, the therapist coaches all the people podcasters whatever the people i appreciate the most they're in, in the healing field of some sort are the ones that can admit i have some shit that happened in the past i'm working on it now or i will probably always be working on it or i've healed a lot of it and i don't know everything and you know i and i'm but and i can acknowledge that i'm trying my best and should that be a red flag if someone thinks they know everything i would think uh, that would be yeah. a red, red flag because oh when God. anyone says they know everything which i really haven't met that many people that do but there are people that shut down I, I am always perplexed though when someone or does the, the take ones the that speak in absolutes. Yes. Those ones, yes. Oh. Yes. I, and I'm not hate. I want so if you're someone listening, you are that therapist. Um, <laughs> I'm not hating on you, and and just I also or we've had a sex educator or two on our show who is who speaks in these absolutes of you need to do it this way, right. you know, the, you, you in like that. And I'm sure at times, maybe that would apply. But I think for, for most folks, they well, say need, it's helpful for them to hear that they are a dynamic being. There's many options that are available. And as a therapist, I'm sure you can say, here's what I really see would be the most beneficial thing for you. But when I tell mm -hmm. you, you need to be a certain type of person, and this is the only way to do it. I mean, yeah, that's we, we've had guests in the show that have said that that will not be, come back on our show. Mm. I've had therapists tell me to do it a certain way where I was mm. like, I don't you're not really going back know. to them, are you? No, I have nope. not. Yeah, no. OK, time for a quick break. This podcast is free to you because of another one of our amazing sponsors like Dipsy. Do you ever feel disconnected from your desire? Like you want to tap into your arousal, but it's feeling like a chore? I know I have. And one of my favorite tools to get this pussy pulsating is Dipsy. Dipsy Stories is an app full of sexy audio stories that can help you tap into your turn on anytime, anywhere. There are hundreds of stories to choose from and they release new content every week. So there's always something more to explore. I personally love listening to Dipsy for so many reasons. Sometimes I listen to a Dipsy story during a self-pleasure session or before my partner comes over for some sexy time, and it only turns up the heat even more. I also love their wellness sessions to help me wind down after a busy day, as well as their sleep sessions to help me drift off into dreamland. Want to experience Dipsy for yourself? Well, you are in luck because Dipsy is offering our listeners an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash shameless. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash shameless. Dipsystories.com slash shameless. Press pause and go download that app now. 
This podcast was also made possible by another incredible sponsor, Manscaped. We've been huge fans of Manscaped for years now and continue to love all their top-notch grooming accessories. But guess what, dude? Manscaped can also make your shower routine a dream because they've created the new Ultra Premium Collection, a bundle with all your skin and hair must-haves. Plus, each item smells amazing, like a refined yet masculine dude who really cares about hygiene. Now that sounds like one delicious dude. This really is the ultimate kit because it has everything you need and who doesn't want to keep things easy these days? You'll get two-in-one shampoo and conditioner for your head, pits, and pubes, body wash so you're clean yet moisturized, deodorant that dries clear, and my favorite, the body moisturizer spray. It's like lotion, but easier to use because you can spray it in all those hard-to-reach places. And right now, get 20% off plus free shipping with code SHAMELESS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code SHAMELESS at manscaped.com. Let's get the dude in your life nice and clean with the new Manscaped shower routine. All right, let's get back to the show. So what about, what are some more red flags? I like this red flag. <laughs> red flags. Red flag. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We can, we can totally jump into red flags. So, I mean, I think what you were talking about just now, like someone forcing their view point on you is always a red flag. I mean, in any relationship. And if you find yourself surrounded by people doing that, therapy would be a great place to figure out how to get yourself out of that dynamic. Because sometimes what can happen in people's lives is they are setting up their world in such a way that they're finding people that are always telling them what to do. And so that's actually a really good place to go into therapy to talk about. Um, But red flags. Okay. So a big major one is talking about yourself. The therapist is talking about themselves and using personal anecdotes that has nothing to do with what you're saying, does not help you in any way, and cannot explain why they're actually talking about themselves when you ask them about it. The session is about you. You are the paying client, which we'll, I would love to jump into fee at some point too, because it's an important topic to talk about. Um, but this is your personal growth, and this is not about the practitioner that's sitting there. So they may use, like I do use personal anecdotes about myself when I think it's helpful. And I, I imagine, I hope, I, I, I guess I don't check this out all the time, but like I do it for the use of the client to either help them feel more comfortable or offer something to them. It's, it's not because you just love talking about yourself and it feels no. good to share. Yeah. The session is for the client and the therapist does their work somewhere else in another location, not in that session with that client. So If you find that your therapist is talking about themselves a lot or using a lot of personal stuff, you can always just tell them it's not helpful. Like, oh, I noticed you bring yourself in a lot. Uh, It's not helpful for me. I wonder if if we could just keep the session to me. Or you can ask them why. I'm curious why you told me that story. And again, red flag if they can't tell you why. (laughs) As a therapist, you're trained to understand, you're, you're trained to be thinking six steps ahead, right? So client says something, you've got like four things that you could go to. If you choose to go to a personal antidote, there needs to be a reason why. So if your therapist can't explain why they chose that, red flag for sure. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just get chatty Kathy with a client if they're really friendly. And if you don't like that, it's also good to let them know because sometimes I can be a little chatty Kathy, especially in the beginning of sessions. So sometimes there may be no reason other than like, I just like chatting with that person. But in general, like we, you want to make sure that everything is about you, the client. Another piece is people, this is just general professionalism, but like late or flaky 
They don't respond mm-hmm. timely to emails. They're not on, on time. They consistently run over. It's m- impacting your life. Um, we already talked a little bit about this, but looking at people's websites and seeing like what modalities do they work with? What are their trainings? You know, can they pull lots of different tools? Like I said, there should be sort of like a bunch of options at every turn. You know, do they have those to pull from to see what's the most helpful for you? And, you know, I think a really big one is we've touched on this a little bit, but it's, it's jumping to conclusions. I once had a client that I worked with and he had gone and seen his wife's therapist because he, I can't remember what exactly what the story was, but basically in the first session with this male therapist, they were talking about group sex that they like to have. And, um, my client was telling the therapist like, yes, I enjoy sex with, with both men and women. And the therapist said to him, well, you're gay. And he was like, no, I, I'm, I don't, that like, I don't think I'm gay. Like I enjoy group sex, but this, this therapist was stuck on this projection that this client was gay. And it was a really big bummer because it was actually that client's first time in therapy and they had gone really open-minded and then they were projected into this it feels like a fantasy of that therapist actually, because it wasn't based in what the client was actually saying. And so I think one of the things you really want to look out for these red flags is like this jumping, just jumping to conclusions. Like the therapist isn't, doesn't feel like they're listening to you. So it would feel like you say something and the therapist like just spews something back at you that doesn't resonate. Like it doesn't feel like it lands within you. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I don't want to share anymore with this person. I'm going to pivot and not go down this way. Like it doesn't feel safe, which is like, which is a really big piece, right? Like Mm -hmm. you always want to be asking yourself, like, do I feel safe with this person? Does it feel Mm -hmm. safe to share? Because if you're, your subconscious material, which is the stuff that we don't know is there. If it doesn't feel safe in the room, in the container of that relationship with that person, it will never come forward and you'll never actually grow. You'll just sort of stay I have felt spot. judged by a therapist before, by the way, judged, meaning when I feel judged, I don't feel safe. Right. And that shut me down in the session and was really heavy because mm-hmm. it wasn't in terms of something it was in terms of something that I was experiencing on a weekly or daily. And they had had something in their childhood that she had brought up to me in the session that about, said about her own, childhood? About her, own mm-hmm. her own stuff, how she had grown up with parents such as this. And I'm not going to give a specific specific examples right now because I'm not comfortable with that with my experiences. However, she kind of said that because that she had been in this situation that she knew that I was this way. Oh yeah. And so I was, I felt really judged and I was like, I, I shut down and, and it was really hard. So what you're speaking to really speaks to me because mm-hmm. it actually turned me away from wanting to go to therapy for right. quite a while. And I, I, I was really turned off by it. And I was, I just didn't know. I respected this person. I understood her credentials. I'm an educated human. And I thought that she would actually give me some sound advice. And I felt really judged and hurt by that. And, and I don't feel like I'm very sensitive, but it really, it triggered me in a way She's that sensitive. like, sensitive. she's just got a, a good, a I'm good sensitive, but I have a hard shell and it just, Mm -hmm. that's all. So I'm speaking to the safety piece here, Keely, you have, you are, I think, uh, like tapping into something that's really important for people to feel safe. And if you have had a therapist that doesn't help you feel safe and feel like 
you want to feel like you're not being judged. In yeah. my opinion, you're not at a fucking court session. Oh, hey. You are in therapy to help you yourself or your partnership heal. Well, and the other piece that I wanted to add to what April said, because about your experience, April, that's not helpful with what how that therapist showed up. And some people's work and the reason why they're in therapy is it's hard for them to trust and feel safe with people no matter who they're mm-hmm. with. And so right. sometimes... And I, you know, you, you did the Hakomi training and I did the Hakomi training. And I remember that being like a big message there. And I remember we had to practice with all these people and in there. And I remember some of the, the practice clients who were our colleagues. Um, there were some people who just easily just quickly opened up and trusted like, oh, hey. and there's some people who are like looking at you to prove yourself. And I, so I guess I wanted to normalize that uh, the experience that you had, April, that I'm not speaking that that's not helpful. And the safety piece, I think, and and you can uh, share with this, Keely, because you, you work with so many people, sometimes it's a really slow process to feel safe with anyone, especially a stranger, which is probably a, an, another reason why people don't go to therapy. Or like, if I you've been know. damaged by a therapist yeah, that fucked with your brain about so the how next you time are. You're looking at the new therapist right. and you're like, I- you got to prove yourself to me. And right. so I believe it's okay to not feel fully safe right away and but my belief is you know the therapist's job is to respect that and over time build this well he'll call me word bubble but container um that make that helps you to open up and are there a number of sessions that you should consider with a therapist before you say yay or nay as well i'm i'm wondering and i and maybe folks out there and i didn't mean to interrupt you amy but i think that is a point i know i think it's an important question and i would say like if you session one and your therapist said the shit they said to you april that was session four that was four well yeah yeah obviously get out but like you know yeah it's a good question like how many tries do you give them Yeah. Well, first off, I think there's so many pieces in in what you just shared. April is like, we were talking about like, does the therapist need to have the same experience as you? And that's where that gets a little complicated because that therapist had a similar experience as you. And then for whatever reason decided because your experience looked similar by session four, she determined you were the same as her. And I think that's the tricky part with saying like, you know, I want a practitioner who also has, I want to work with someone who's had kids and then potentially that person has some blind spots because they have kids. And so they might see things slightly different. So, so yes and no, you know, I think just real quick to touch on that. Like if you're looking to figure out how to be sexier and have more fun and sex in, in your, your erotic world, and you have a therapist that doesn't look like they're having fun and good sex in their erotic world. Like, yeah, that's probably a way to determine if that's the right fit for you. You know, if you want to figure out how to go to sex clubs, for instance, like I take couples in in Paris to sex clubs and I help couples have like these sexy fun date nights. Yeah. What? And it's amazing. But like oh my God. I couldn't can we do can we that. come next time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Um I might be going in June. So yeah. Yay, things are opening back up. But um <sighs> if you know, if someone has never been to a sex club, they can't really help you with going to a sex club. So it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of both. I mean, I guess they could help you. It sort of depends on what you need help with, but in general, like it's good to have those experiences. And, you know, one of the things we also touched on was like, 
what is kind of the mindset of a person in the field of, as a sex practitioner and like working with my mentees, one of the things that I was looking for when I was selecting, selecting people actually. And these are Um, people you're training. training. Yeah. yeah. Uh Yes. Yes. And I had like dozens and dozens of applications. And so what was I looking for? Like really ultimately like someone who was open-minded, who was willing to celebrate things, who was optimistic and, you know, the open-minded piece, it's like, you want a non-shaming thinker, which is like what we've sort of been talking about with just sex in general. It's like someone who can just be open about sexuality and, um, not judge you for saying you want a threesome or things about your fantasies and see things in this like celebratory, like, isn't it so wonderful that you know what you want? Like, you may never get it, but great, you're clear on what you're turned on by, you know? So it's like somebody able to open up that space for you and really hold that. And, you know, the optimism piece is like, you know, sort of seeing things as like, there's not always being in a a pessimistic, like, oh, well, you want a threesome, but your partner doesn't want one, so you're never going to have one. And then it stops there, right? Like, that's yeah, you're, a, basically you're screwed as hope you, you just got to give right. this part of yourself up. Yeah. Right. Right. It's like, how do we sort of have those, I think in general, tr- looking for those qualities in your cu- first couple of sessions to determine if that person is the right fit for you. And of course, no practitioner is a robot, which thank goodness. Cause I don't think robots really could do this job. It will. It I really will hope it doesn't go here. that way. And I if someone said something to you that sounds like that, when you said that I would get a face, like I just ate a sour lemon, like <laughs> that's why everyone watch the video. No. Cause now you know about that. I'd be sour like, face. God yeah. damn it. No. Why? Yeah. I've talked to so many people that have had therapists say, well, the story you said about this person that was going through this understanding of their orientation and then therapists to tell you what your orientation right. is. And you know that there's one, I mean, geez. sour lemon face, sour. What's your, right. Keely, <laughs> what's your sour lemon face <laughs> right now? Yeah, it's cute. <laughs> it's fun. Um, I'm not making faces. We could just pause here and make faces all day if you guys want. <laughs> yeah, just a whole bunch of faces. So the rest so of the podcast, what's about O faces? Okay, that yeah. is the 18th yeah, thing you should look for in yeah. a therapist. If their sour lemon face is as good as you as yours, okay? Yeah. Just saying, okay? April, at least April says. So, so do you, are there more red flags that we should talk about before we talk about the financial access piece? Well, real quick, I just want to say, in general, I think within three to five sessions, you should be able to assess it as person's the right fit for you. And after each session, I I recommend even, or after the consult call, sitting with yourself for about five minutes, writing down how you feel, especially if you're going to be meeting with a couple of different practitioners, because I think there's nothing wrong with booking a couple first sessions with people and seeing how they feel. The main thing we're looking for is safety. Uh, I mean, far and beyond the main wounding that humans have is a safety piece. And in there, some, everyone has a vulnerability and safety piece. So safety is one of the really, really, really important pieces. And I also want to advocate for like, if you felt like something was weird or off in that first session, just like the piece of your therapist is overly sharing about themselves, talk about it. Say to them. like that didn't yeah. to them come yeah. back in the next time. Or if you are able to do it in the moment, like that doesn't feel good. I, it didn't feel good when you said that, mm-hmm. you know, can we talk about what, you know, what that was? Or I would say also, because sometimes for a lot of people, 
speaking their truth is really hard. And right. another reason why we're in therapy. And, and, um, and so, and for some people they're like, I can't, you know, playing the nice guy, the nice girl, mm. whatever. And so it's an edgy thing that you're saying. Yeah. And but I think an important thing, but you know what, you could send them an email, you know, you could hide yes. behind that screen and send them an email and said, this is That's how I felt. You know, I like this is that. how I yeah. felt about this thing. Can you respond to me here? And then I'll decide right. if I want to see you again. Right, right, right. And I really, really, really want to advocate for the fact that the role of the practitioner is to hold space for the complex stuff that comes up in that room. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if you're assessing in the beginning or really, truly at any point, if you bring something up to your therapist and they make it, you know, if they turn it around on you and they're like, well, tell me how that makes you feel. And I mean, if they aren't able to participate in that with you and own, if maybe they did make a mistake, because I mean, again, we're not robots, we're humans. And there's plenty of times where I've misstepped and hurt people's feelings. Like I can be a really quick practitioner. I, I, sometimes when I'm on here with you, with you guys, I'm like, oh my gosh, am I moving too quickly? Cause I, I just Do you know excited. how fast we move? Okay. We're like, <laughs> bah, 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 bah. so yeah. I was just going to say, hopefully we don't forcibly move you too quickly. It can hurt people's feelings or it can rub on that safety wound. Mm -hmm. And I'm aware I've been told by enough clients now, like, you know, when you said that, that didn't feel good. And so in therapy, like oftentimes I am really trying to slow myself down and, you know, I will apologize when I make mistakes. And I think that it's a big red flag. If you genuinely feel like your therapist made a mistake and they're not willing to enter into the conversation with you about what was going on. Mm -hmm. That's cool too, because you could be helping your therapist be a better therapist, but they right. gotta be open to it. Like, well, like, like, yes. like Keely here would be like, Oh, right. You know what? I'm going to look at that and own that. But some other ones are like, you know, that's not what happened or, you know, or whatever. Mm. Like, I mean, it, it all exists. And like you're saying, right, that's, of course, that's of something course. to look for as someone who can really hold that. Right. Because sex, sex therapy is about creating better relate, intimate relationships. Mm. And it's, I believe it's slightly different than just a regular talk therapist, actually. A talk therapist is there to help you navigate work, maybe not willing to do as much relational work. Or, or it, this is called, it's called relational therapy, this piece of going back and forth and asking your therapist stuff. And so, you know, I think to be a better lover, to be, to enjoy your sex life more, you have to be better at communicating. You, you just, there's no way around that. You have to be better at, in, in relationship. And so you need a therapist willing to enter into a relationship with you. I just think you can't. I don't think it's helpful if you don't. Okay, time for a quick break. This podcast is free to you because of our amazing sponsors like Uberlube. Uberlube is a luxurious silicone lubricant that can enhance your sex and intimacy. Uberlube's unique formula is velvety, long-lasting, with no flavor or scent, and it feels absolutely incredible on the body. There are thousands of doctors recommending Uberlube to their patients because it's less likely to throw off your pH than most other lubes. So whether you want to make your hot sex even hotter or you want to prevent dryness, take our advice and check out our favorite go-to, Uberlube. Uberlube isn't just for sex. I use it for massage, to tame my frizzy hair, to prevent chafing, even for oral sex sessions. I love how it comes in a beautiful bottle with a pump top for easy access, appearing more like a cosmetic product so you can leave it on your nightstand shamelessly. 
Uber Lube is without a doubt my favorite lube, and countless listeners agree, often stating, we never knew lube could be this good. To learn why we think it's the best lube on the planet, check out uberlube.com and use code SHAMELESSSEX for 10% off and free shipping. Again, that's uberlube.com, use code SHAMELESSSEX for 10% off and free shipping. This podcast was also made possible by OMGS.com. OMGS combines scientific research of real Volvo owners so you can learn shame-free techniques on how to pleasure the pussy. OMGS studied 20,000 plus people of all ages and turned the research into animated modules, short videos, and beautiful infographics that are tasteful and easy to understand. Whether you want to learn about external pleasure, internal stimulation, or techniques with toys, OMGS can help you master vulva pleasure. Let me tell you, I've been recommending OMGS to my clients for years and it's been changing their lives because knowledge really can activate your pleasure power. OMGS is for anyone who cares about vulva pleasure and wants to take it to the next level. OMGS can help you become a sexual strategist by equipping you with the tools you need to unlock your pleasure potential. Plus, your OMGS purchase helps fund more pleasure research. OMG, that's great. Only pay once and these techniques are yours forever. That's right. This is not a subscription service and you don't need to download a thing. So go to omgs.com shameless to get 10% off when you purchase any OMGS season. Again, go to omgs.com shameless to get 10% off right now. Time to pursue your pleasure. And now back to the show. We have a sex question, Keely, from oh, a listener okay. that Amy's going to ask. However, I just wanted to touch on that last piece because I said this when we were offline and Dr. Nan has spoken to, and she's been on our show many times, she has spoken to how currently we're in 2022, but in, in university studies, even to be an MD, a, a psychiatrist mm. doesn't get a lot of any sort of sex education to learn how to navigate folks with sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to address uh, the needs of yeah. people in terms of sex. So I think just for, just for therapists, it's like 10 hours is the requirement. Same with therapists, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's why it's important to seek. And this, this is about sex and therapy for your sex and relationships and coaching in those realms. And that, that obviously was stated a long time ago in this podcast, but I think you just spoke to it when you talked about just a moment ago about how some folks aren't trained to understand or learn about how to navigate your sex and relational issues. That's why Esther Perel is such a genius human and well, she's changing the 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 face of a lot of these uh medical practitioners in, in their current i have such a i am a straight woman but i have such a crush on esther Perel. i do her i do her I too, do her too. All right. esther, get over here. i totally swing both ways but i do her well, as well. <laughs> and the and the, the thing that to what april's saying is um you know and you said this keely too that it, it's important for your, you to feel like you can relate to your therapist based on some of their experiences or history. And, you know, I've actually had this as a podcaster, you know, we talk, April and I talk about shit that we've never done before on here. We're and but we're not lying we're or like, things oh, that we've never wanted to talk or, about before with or that we we're don't like, want oh. that we're not going to do. You yeah. know, we'll talk also. about certain, whatever certain fetishes or, you know, all these different things. And just because we talk or support, or even maybe teach because we've learned about this thing, or I mean, we bring in educators here too. And so I think it's okay, to a certain degree, to not have done all the things or have all the same traumas or all the you know, X, Y, and Z's. And, and 
at, to some degree, it's important to feel like there is some relation there, like some sort of some way of it's like I think you said this earlier, like a, a balance there, right? Like, you know, it, I personally have worked with people with fetishes that I've never heard of in my entire life. I love fetishes, by the way. When I hear them, I'm like, this is so exciting. It's the coolest thing I've ever. I've never heard of this. I have never done this. And, and But tell me more about this. But they have shame about it. And they're like, oh, and, you know, and, they, and they, their story that might be, I'll never find a partner that'll be right. okay with this. And I know how to support and normalize that because to, to, I just know the diversity of human. Now, Am I causing a problem for them? I do, right because but, your training is in fetish work. You don't have to know I, all I the understand fetishes. It. It's like yeah. the umbrella, right? And though I actually have said to that same client, "Hey, I'm I'm happy to continue to work with you on this." And I know a lot of other therapists, coaches that have a lot of experience in this realm. They live in this realm, and I'm not quitting. I'm not leaving you. I'm not abandoning you. I'm, I, I will still be here. And if you want references for someone who actually lives in that world, I can be that resource for you. Right. So you're already answering that second question of like the two questions to ask your therapist, right? What do you do if you're not sure if you're the right fit with someone? Right. You just answered that actually. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm not sure if I can support you. I'm here. I'm not abandoning you because you have a long rapport with that client and you may need other support. Right? Yeah, you need like, like simul- simultaneously, or also I might not be the right fit for you, and <laughs> and I don't know if the, I I don't want to put this pressure on all therapists is like to take on the job of like well if I'm not the support here's all the resources, mm. it, but it is helpful you know most therapists have other people that they can send people also, to. Also, it's way. not about money because some folks that could be a red flag in my brain where I'm like, are you just wanting money if you oh, don't if know how to how to how to heal me or help me get to the right direction that that could be a red flag in my brain. I always Wait. go to money. I'm sorry somehow. Well, we well, need to I talk think, about the money part. So good job. Yeah, I think if a therapist <laughs> is always referring out if they're always like oh I can't handle this refer out I can't handle this refer out then that therapist it would be great for them to go and get some supervision and to look at that for themselves if you're always feeling like I can tackle any problem I will figure this out right that's also something to look at it's always balance is yeah. it mo money mo problems? Is that true? Yes. I mean, I'm hard in the nineties mo money mo well, problems. Okay, okay here's the thing even people with a shit ton of money still will avoid therapy to certain degrees. Oh and gosh. a lot yes. of people though are just trying to survive and they feel like I need this help. I can't get it. And yeah, I know that there's like insurance that covers it or Medicare, Medicare. I always get confused. And you can find therapists not, but so it's a tricky thing. So like what, what is your advice for folks who have either the block of I can't afford it, but that maybe they probably actually could or people who really can't. Right, right, right. Cause these are both very real life issues. You know, um, I think one thing to know is most sex practitioners are not taking insurance. Insurance is a terror for therapists to deal with and they don't make very much money. And there's, it's just very, no one wants to deal with it anymore. So it's a fuck system, Kaylee. But (laughs) I know it's, I, and I know there's a lot of people who are like, Oh, I was planning, you know, not to say you can't find someone. Um, if you live in the Netherlands, you're probably okay. Just saying, (laughs) right. If you're in another country and not the U S you're probably fine. Um, but in general, you're going to expect to pay out of pocket anywhere between, I think a hundred and $400. It's going to be very, 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 varied, (laughs) uh, you know, based on the training location and demand of, of that particular practitioner, you know, if you decide there's someone you want to work with, 
you can ask to be put on their sliding scale. Most practitioners will have something called a sliding scale. And basically that's an option to be off of their full rate and into another, another slot. Not always, but most practitioners will, will offer that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things to think about is frequency. You know, let's just say you're, you feel like you can't afford, you know, you can't afford, you know, $200 a week, but you could afford $400 a month. So you see that person every other week, you know, um, there's ways to, to work it out. You can always shorten your session times. Let's just say, you know, you're like, I see clients for an hour and 10 minutes and, you know, someone can only afford a certain amount. And, um, like I, so in general, in my practice, I take two sliding scale spots. And normally when some, when that slot opens up, which there's a long list for that currently, but I will say, you know, here, tell me what you can afford reasonably per month. And then we figure out how many sessions we're going to do per month and the length of the session. So we might shorten it to a typical therapeutic 50 minute session. You know, it just depends on what your therapist is able to do, you know, because I think it's important minutes, 50 or 15. 50 minutes. 50. A typical therapy session okay. is 50 minutes. I mm. typically do an hour and 10 minutes with clients just okay. because I like extra time. Yeah. I heard 15. So, I was like, damn, that's quick. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> in there and out. <laughs> right. That's a good session right there. <laughs> so, you know, it, I mean, if you decide you really want to work with someone and they're the right fit, like let them know that really let them know that. Like I, I you feel like the person to help me heal. Like I can, I just, I know it, I can feel it. And I, and I want to work with you and, and, you know, healers are healers. So, you know, they will, you know, I think most people in this field want to help, but I think it's also really important to remember that most therapists are small business owners. So, you know, there's a lot that goes into running a small business. So, you know, it's not like they're just pocketing the 200 bucks and just walking out the door. There's a lot of stuff that, that comes off the top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really been on my mind as I've been working with my mentees is like helping them set up business boundaries and to understand like, what does it actually take to run a, a, a private practice? Cause it's not something they teach you in therapy school. So don't teach you uh, anything about sex and they don't teach you how to run a business in therapy school in case anyone's thinking about their master's degree. <laughs> um, um, so you know, the piece around like what to do if you really can't afford it, like, what do you do? Um, you know, I think, or let's just say you decide you're, you're going to try and make it work, but you're waiting for this practitioner to have spot. You, you know, I think you can ask them like, what are some books I can read some podcasts I can listen to? How could I start doing some of my healing work now? Maybe I can pay you for a 30 minute consult and, and you can just give me an idea of some things I should work on. You know, I think something that people can maybe do sometimes is like, go to the cheapest person. Um, you know, they email a bunch of people and one person emails back and they have a low rate and they're like, Oh, perfect. That person is going to be, you know, I can afford that. And it's tricky because sometimes that person may be a really, really great fit. Um, you know, inexperienced therapists, even when they're, you know, when they're new and budding can actually be really great fits for people because they're so excited and they have so much energy versus like a little more seasoned therapist might be a little like, oh, okay, here we go again. Burnout. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's something to just, to just keep in mind, mm-hmm. you know, make sure you're not going just off price. Make sure yeah. you've asked these questions. You're looking at their, their website. You feel resonant with them, you know, because the damage that I've seen happen 
from bad therapy, it, it can really last. Like we've talked about, like some people have one bad experience. They never go back. They never try again. And, and now they I need a therapist to heart. help heal that shit. <laughs> I know. It I just, know. it just breaks my heart because no, even like, even people with the same exact training will not say things the same way. They won't feel the same. And so much of therapy is a body limit. It's like how you're resonating with your therapist and what are they holding? And it's so complex. It's like art. I really think of it as like this yeah. art that you're like sculpting and painting and it's all happening. So when I was going through my divorce, I met with an incredible therapist who helped me through it. He was in just every... So I, I met with Charlie Glickman. Charlie Glickman, who's been, been on our, our show, show. episode 108, awesome yes. anal sex. And he <laughs> he walked me through so many pieces. What I'm speaking to right now is sort of in line with what you were saying is there was a point where I met with him session after session, week after week. And I remember going to him and he said, April, and he gave me all these tools and I was applying all the tools. He's like, what else do you, what would you like to do with me? And I was like, I think we might be done. And it wasn't breaking up, but he knew it and I knew it and it was beautiful. And I had a great, that's uh, so respectful. A few months with him. And so I want to speak to that sometimes because it's like dating. We, you said that Keely in the beginning. And I think that that, that is a good thing. You don't have to feel bad. It's like, sometimes I feel bad about uh, my hairstylist when I have to break up with my hairstylist or something. That's almost never call them back. Yes. Or you move cities. (laughs) And with a therapist, it could be similar where sometimes you almost feel indebted to them. And I don't know Mm. if you have anything to speak to with that. Keely. Okay. Yeah. Do that. And I have one more thing about the money, but do that first. Therapy is not a lifetime commitment. You always have to have your hair cut. So I think that's a little more complex, but (laughs) you know, the, the role of the therapist is to help you through whatever you're there for, as long as they can help you. And there is a lifetime. Every relationship has a beginning and an end, whether it ends through death, it has a beginning and an end. And therapy is meant to be like a chapter. And so I actually believe in celebrating endings. I, I mm-hmm. always celebrate endings with my clients. I'm like, I, I never kick people out. I will ask them, like, do you feel like this is still helpful for you? Do you feel like we still have territory to cover? Um, but when they say like, yeah, this feels done. It's like amazing. You did this. Whole, we go back, we celebrate all the work that they've done. And we say like, this is amazing. Like, I'm, I'm always here if you need me and I support and celebrate you to find your next practitioner, mm-hmm. right? We can only offer as much as we can offer. And, you know, I've even broken up with a therapist one time because I just knew I wasn't ready to do my work. And I just said that to yeah. her. I was like, yeah. I know that there is work here to do and I don't feel ready and I'll come back mm-hmm. when I feel ready. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah it's a different relationship and it's not like a hairstylist. I want to really help people feel like this isn't like... Like buying a t-shirt, getting your hair cut. It's not a reflection (laughs) on that person's work. If anything, the fact that you feel like you're ready to be done, if good work has been done, is actually a huge compliment to that therapist. Like Charlie said, like, I think you're done. I'm sorry about that association with the, 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 I never break up with my stylist unless I move. That was sort (laughs) of where I was going. She's like, yes, she's (laughs) like, like, I'm listening. listening." Well, the other thing, so, and the other, the other thing that can happen too is, is like maybe some like decent or work happened with a therapist and it, you resonate, you got a little bit out of it. And, and the work might not be fully done, but you, you know, it's just not, it's done with them. 
and that's okay to break up. You know, I'd be like, I'm breaking up with you. You didn't do enough for me, but more like, yeah, th- if this feels good. My here. therapist, he, Charlie Glickman just said he, like he broke up with me, not in a way that was right. bad. He was just like, I think, do you want anything else from he me? Didn't, but he didn't break up. He gave but you the option. He, he said, did. He, and I loved yeah, that. Yeah. And I was like, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> the best. We love you, Charlie. He yeah. helped me so much. Yeah. And I can imagine Keely, you being, I, I can feel that already. And there's no end to this relationship, Keely. Keely, you're stepping <laughs> up for So here in Santa Cruz, um, and I think this applies to a lot of places where people go and they get their master's degree in counseling or, or psychology of some sort to go work with clients. After, Keely, is it 2,000 or 3,000 hours that they have to now do oh, under supervision? In California, I believe it's 2,000. Okay, it's 2000. different in every state. Okay, so in California, they go and spend all these years in, in school, but that they leave that, and now they're in supervision. And often, I know, at least here in Santa Cruz, where we live, there's a, one place in Santa Cruz, one place in Watsonville, where um, low-income folks can go and work with those people who are doing their hours. And so they're not working with the you know, tw- therapist of 20 years. They're working with someone who's fresh out of getting a master's degree in counseling or of some sort, who is being over in the, and the supervisor's not in the room at the same time, but they're reporting back to them. And here's what came up in the session. And here's what was challenging. And yeah, those people are fresh and new and probably not like your top, top, top notch. And for the people who really money is a huge issue, but you need some sort of support and, and likely they're not going to be able to, they're not, they're not sex therapists at that point. You know, I'm talking about just therapy and they could probably do some light conversations around sex, but just speaking to people who like you need, want support or therapy of some, some sort. And, and really can't afford really it. Really can't afford it. I mean, back, I did this when I was a you know broke. Yeah, what should they do? Should they do? Should well, they I, go that route? I I did that. It was like forty dollars a session, mm-hmm. and I I did it every week for a little bit. I got a little out of it. I felt a little more stable and a little less batshit crazy, less batshit crazy, and it was helpful. So I'm just saying that like that that is available. Will they be like the person that will change your life forever? Maybe, but. Likely not, and nothing wrong with that. They're doing the work to get there, but that is a thing that is available. Right, and you know those counseling centers, I I worked at one during my master's program as well. I mean, I had a a client on $5 a a session. Oh, wow. So, So yes, there are a lot of amazing budding therapists out there. No doubt about that. You have a little less selection and option at those clinics, but I think one of the things, again, we want to advocate for, like, is if you're working with someone there and they don't feel like a good fit, let someone know, like t- tell your therapist, I think I need a new person. I need to be reassigned. Like there's always more, there's always different people. And, and, you know, if you're jumping therapists all the time, because, you know, you got commitment issues, like that's also something to look at. <laughs> that's yeah. a good point. Can that's I get a therapist a for that? Point. I need a therapist for the fact that I keep abandoning all, or firing right. all my therapists. <laughs> right, 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 right. And, you know, that's something you've, re- I mean, it's hard to do that self-reflective work without a, a support person to say, I think you're doing that. But another red flag is, do you find yourself sitting in sessions and not saying anything that important? You know, are you kind of bullshitting the therapist? Like you need a therapist that's going to pull the right type of information out of you or help you get to that unconscious material. So real change can happen. So that's another, Mm -hmm. another little red flag in there too. 
Yeah, but not like aggressively pulling, but there, yeah, it's like that lovingly. No. Pull, yeah. yeah, I yeah yeah I, I appreciate I really appreciate. God, I feel like we could do this. This we this could, could be like a five part episode. Um, it's time okay. for a sex question, and I'm not going to ask the whole sex question because we're okay. we are running out of time here. Um, but so I'm just going to summarize it. What if someone is in a and the, it was a question from someone who's in a five year relationship from a a a, a woman a vulva owner in a relationship with a penis owning man, and um they had decent sex at one point now they're not having a lot of sex and every time and most of the time when she tries to talk to him about the sex and how she wants more sex or more variety or more, or just romance too. It wasn't just sex. It was like more connection. She, she, she also just wants to talk about sex more. He shuts down. He doesn't want to do it. He shuts down. Um, he's like, this is like, it's just not available for him. And in that, and also her next step was to suggest, okay, how about we go get help? How about we go see a therapist or someone? And Again, shuts down. No, that's for people with big major problems, problems. or crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So now she's like, I want to stay with this person. I love them. What do I do? Can I convince him? Like, what do you do? Wait, Keely, before you answer, my mom asked me once when I was going to therapy. She's like, why are you in therapy? What's wrong with you? <laughs> so I just want to give yeah. props to this person that is addressing this. It's not an issue. That's bringing it up and offering it to their partner as an opportunity to get healed or to get tools to be healed because i told my mom i was like nothing's fucking wrong with me mom i'm not broken i'm just sealing up the cracks oh and what this person is saying is i i just i like we're okay i want to be good and great with you and we have the ability to do it Will and he's you like you're me? crazy we're not crazy and then they're yeah, instead they're like that's not normal to have to seek therapy so yeah so first off i would advocate for this person to seek couples counseling for sure the it would be really difficult to navigate and it's not your role as a, as a partner in a partnership to help the other person uncover their own internal blocks. It's, it's actually not the space for that to happen and you can support it, but it sounds like this particular person is blocked around sex, whether or not their they're part, willing, their partner is, yeah. the partner is yeah. the male partner, yeah. whether or not they're willing to face that you know, they are either consciously or unconsciously blocked around being able to communicate around sex. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't recommend necessarily trying to tackle that on their own. So, I mean, it's tricky, you know, the biggest predictor of success in therapy is the willingness of the client. And if this client shows up and they're genuinely really not interested in, in anything, it's hard to say if it's going to be helpful. You know, she could start on her own, just come in, start to talk about that, you know, talk about how hard it is. And maybe eventually he would come in, you know, um, I have worked with partners like this, by the way, and I'll normally just say like, have them give me a call. We'll just do a quick call. And I'll just, I, I will honestly just chat with them like a friend and just normalize be playful, make nothing too serious. And, you know, there's a lot of different reasons why people don't want to do therapy. I think there is this feeling of the stigmatization and this feeling of like, there's something really wrong with me, but sometimes people aren't ready to face what might come up, you know, mm -hmm. uh, sexual trauma for one, you know, we don't know there's, this is a, it's just a really big question. And we don't know why this person is feeling the way that they are around talking about sex or, wanting to work with someone around sex. So it's like, we don't want to tell this woman, like, you just have to get your partner into therapy. Like they just may not be ready yet. 
And that's something that the woman who's having this asked, she may have to grieve that this person may not be willing to do this work. And is, you know, is this really the right partnership for her? If they're willing to not, if they're unwilling to have these deeper intimate conversations, it may not be the right partnership at some point that might be up up as a question. And what you said before also is like, maybe she could go and do her own work Mm -hmm. there and maybe that will inspire a partner. But but I wouldn't say like do the work to inspire a partner. You could do your own work, but then you might go do your own work. You advance, not Uh advance, like it's a hierarchy, but you grow or whatever. And deepen. But you might, you might hit a point in, we've had people in the past where we've said this, and they're like, you guys are telling people to be non-monogamous, but you might hit a point where you say, I can't be in this relationship anymore right. then, you know, and that that's possible. Keely, we could talk to you. I mean, we have talked to you for an hour plus and we could talk to you for days because you were incredible, such an asset to not only clients out there, also other therapists as a mentor coach. So this is the last question. Not only do you work directly with people, and I know that your waiting list is really long, and that's great because you're doing such a good job. You work with people with sex and relational issues. You work with on so many different levels, but you also train people how to work with these folks out there, which is mega important. So can you share about your work, how folks can find you if they're interested in doing the same thing and your mentorship, also how they can find and work with you whenever you become available, but also just access to your resources, please. Yes. So the easiest way to find me is through my website, which is my first and last name, Keely Rankin, K-E-E-L-E-Y-R-A-N-K-I-N. And on there, you'll find actually my two mentees that I just uh, started training back in um, late December, early January. And they're amazing and fantastic and actually came out of having this really mega long waiting list. And I was like, shit, I'm telling people, you know, nine months to a year, and I don't think that's even possible. So I was like, I got it's even longer. Figure- it's longer yeah. than that. Oh my goodness. And I oh, was wow. like, I, I, people just kept getting added and I'm like, Oh, okay. So, but I'd always wanted to take on mentees. I'd been looking secretly looking for like a couple of years, like three, four years, like interviewing people, checking people out, you know? And, um, I finally, I would just like put a formal invitation out to the community and was like, Hey, who wants to come be my mentee and found, I've got a bunch of great options and pick the two people that I thought were the best, um, or would be the best fit to work with me, I should say. Cause you know, that's, that's more important is like our working relationship. And if I'm going to be able to help that, I feel like I'm able to help support them. So that's one of the things I'm, I'm planning on doing as well is continuing to help budding therapists, budding practitioners grow into the best version of a sex practitioner that they can be. I feel really passionate about you know, helping create a world where people feel more alive and present and sexually connected. I genuinely, truly believe if more people had great sex and felt more connected to their bodies and able to get what they want, like this world would be a much less reactive and dangerous place. And, you know, I often think about like Joanne, I think that's how you pronounce her name, Gioni uh, uh, Blanc. She's the woman who started good vibrations and she genuinely, oh, yeah. Yeah. And she fe- felt like if, you know, more people were having great sex, that everything would be okay. And she would help all sorts of different, you know, entrepreneurs start sex, you know, because she, she owns good vibrations. And so she used to not anymore. Not she, anymore. She's anymore. She, yeah, she, the creator. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. But, you know, I, I really think about that. It's like how to help the world be a better place. You've nailed so many different, I think, aspects of a topic that is not easy to discuss, especially with folks that are uncomfortable with therapy or are seeking out coaching. So gratitude from Amy and I, this is why you're such a, an incredible resource for Shameless Sex and our listeners, because you have all of the tools for folks out there and it's unlimited. And for these people out there, re-listen to this podcast. If you're scared or you're uncertain or you don't know, I, I know that I was one of those people for a long time because I was told that it was a weakness if you need to seek help. Yeah, or share it to your friend or, who's anti-therapy yes. or, or you're a family. They don't have to listen, but yeah, yes, yeah. And nothing's broken about you. Mm -hmm. You have nothing wrong with you. You are normal. You are beautiful. And you will just help yourself to be healed and your partnership. So I, I love what you said, Keely. And to all of you out there, unfortunately, it is the end of our episode. And we cannot wait to have Keely back again. She will be back for certain because she is just an incredible human. To all of you humans out there listening, if you love Shameless Sex as much as we love you, because we do love you, each and every one of you, wholeheartedly, let us know. Go give us a five-star review on iTunes specifically because most people listen to us on iTunes and all it does is help more folks find people like Keely, people like the folks that we have on this podcast that are experts in helping you have more pleasure and better your relationships and all of the things that you want in life. The tools in your tool belt. Five stars, please. We read every single one. I talk to you like Martian because if you're human, then you might be Martian now. <laughs> all right. I have to go. And Amy does too. Keely probably needed to go a long you. time ago. We'll see you next Tuesday, y'all. Ciao for now. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com and for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code shamelesssex at purepleasureshop.com.